Canes lose last night in four overtimes with 12.7 seconds left. We were so close to a fifth overtime, which part of me is like, dang it, I wish we got to a fifth overtime because it means Carolina could have possibly won, but at the same time, I'm, like, I'm so ready to go home. And I don't know about you, but it dawned on me last night like after that, after the game-winning goal by Matthew Kachuk, I was like, oh, I still have to work. Like, I still have about another hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes worth of work I got to do. You know, Brenda Moore last Ugh. night said the worst way to lose. And, it I, really and, I, and is. you think it, about honestly, it. Honestly, like, it is. To expend all that energy and, and all that effort and to be so close to winning so many times and to lose, that really does feel worse than, you know, just getting blown out 5 nothing. I will say winning those games, though, from a personal standpoint, feels good. Well, it has that car- it has that carryover, and that's why I think you, it can. you're at least a little worried if you're the Canes. It can, but there's also, yeah, there's – yeah, there's different ways to look at it. But there's also, again, a lot of emotional energy that's spent during that stuff, too. And need more Stanley Cup chatter, Canes fans? We've got you covered like our top defensive pairs. Listen every afternoon at 12.15 and 4.15 for our cup check-in built by Reading Roofing. Adam Gold talks with Canes players past and present, bringing you the latest insight and analysis on the chase for Lord Stanley's Cup. It's the cup check-in on 99.9 The Fan built by Reading Roofing. We're ready, are you? Visit Today at readyroofing.com. Here's Adam Gold talking to former Carolina Hurricane Brett Hedekin. I know you hung in because I texted you after it and, and said uh, you're going to have to keep me awake today. So did it bring back memories of that game for you? Yeah, it did. And first of all, thanks for having me on, Adam. Um, yeah, watching that game, it, it did kick back those 2002 memories of Detroit uh, game three. Um, you know, looking at the minutes played here uh, this morning of the team and, you know, Ekblad with 52 and, uh, you know, Montour looks like he led the way with 50, almost 58 minutes. <laughs> and then you got Burns at 54 and, uh, you know, Slavin with 51, 41. So I, I remember Lidstrom that night, I think played 51 minutes in triple overtime. And then I played like 50 and then there was a pretty big drop off between everybody else. But you know, it, it, it is, it's a taxing, you know, you've got to really manage um, your game. You've got to manage your nutrition in between periods. You've got to make sure you're getting plenty of, uh, you know, water back in your body or electrolytes that you've been sweating out. But you know, what a hockey game it was tough one to lose for, for Carolina. And, uh, but uh, overall, this is what the playoff hockey is all about, and, and you just got to – sometimes you got to bite that mouth guard a little bit harder and find a way to rebound after tough losses, and this is one that somehow Carolina is going to have to rebound. Brett Hedekin is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Let me ask you about the just the, physic, the physical part of this before we get to the hockey. Uh, first of all, in between the second and third overtime, what, what did you guys eat in the locker room? You know, it just depends. Like, every guy's different. You know, some, some guys might want an IV bag. Like, I think I probably did in, in that game. I, I would imagine I probably went into that the, the doctor's office, essentially, <laughs> and they put an IV bag in your arm, and, and they squeeze basically that fluid back in your body. And uh, that, for me, almost like sometimes turns the lights back on. <laughs> it's like the lights are on a dimmer switch, and then all of a sudden the, the, the IV bag goes in, and all of a sudden somebody just – goes over and puts the light switch and flips it back on for you and takes it off the dimmer. Um, but sometimes it's a banana. Sometimes it's, you know, a piece of toast with peanut butter on it. You know, and there's just so many different options that guys do. And, and there's power bars and things like that. But 
you know, I couldn't remember exactly what I had, but I know I've, I had IV bags for sure. And for me, that was what worked the best. It's like uh, changing the light bulb. Here's a new, hey, look, the, the, the lights are back on. Brett Hedekin <laughs> is with us. What did you feel like the next day? Well, I thought Keith Jones did a, I think it was before triple overtime on uh, the broadcast for, for TNT. I think he mentioned that before the game had ended, and this was, you know, again, before that fourth overtime right. where it did actually end, but he said, you know, the team that wins this game, you're going to sleep really well. You're going to get home and you're going to fall asleep. And the team that loses is going to have a, you know, a tough time falling asleep and they're going to, it's going to affect them a lot worse and, well, I mean, you saw what happened to us. I mean, we were leading that game three. Uh-huh. And first of all, nobody picked us to win that series, right? Correct. I mean, yep. they got, what, $130 million or whatever their <laughs> payroll was. We were a bunch of junkyard dogs at 100 or at 20, what, between 20 and $30 million for our whole team. And they were at 120 some million. My point is, is, uh, is they were picked to win it. We go in there in Detroit, win game one. They win game two. And we're up, what, two, uh, two to one? Yeah with a minute to go in the game and Lidstrom rips it five feet wide left of the net and hits Brett Hall's shaft of his stick and goes dead right <laughs> and goes in the back of the net to tie it. I mean, if we win that game, if we close that last minute of hockey, we're up two to one coming back for game four in our building. All of a sudden he ties it triple overtime. And here we are, you know, on the losing end of it. And I remember us just being like somebody punched us in the nose and uh, we just didn't recover. You know, they had a little more depth. Clearly, yeah. they had more depth. They had more, you know, talent than we did. But we, we had guts. And I think we win that game. Man, it's coming back for game four in that barn in Carolina. I'm telling you what, I like our chances to go up three to one in that series. So, and, and I, you know what I really remember about that too, Adam, is I remember looking at Detroit, the, the players on that team. And you could, Lidstrom, Iserman. Uh, Shanahan, I mean, you can go right down Datsu, Satterberg. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredible list. But that game was the first time I saw a bunch of really great hockey players in Detroit scared to death that they were going to lose to the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup Finals. I really, I'll never forget a lot of their faces in that game, particularly in game three. Uh, but after, you know, they win that game in triple overtime, it seemed like that gave them life. And now they knew that they, you know, they could taste it almost. And we kind of felt a little bit punched in the nose. So um, it, it is. It's a tough thing that the the, the Canes are going to have to really dig deep here to find a way to, to rebound for game two. That's Brett Hedekin of the Cup Check-In. If you, if you want more of that conversation, check it out on the Best of Adam Gold Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. More of that conversation. Again, the Canes Cup Check-In on 99.9 The Fan. Built by Ready Roofing. We're ready, are you? Visit them today at readyroofing.com. Again, the cup check-in every afternoon at 12.15 and 4.15 right here on 99.9 The Fan, built by Ready Roofing. That, that triple overtime game was game three in the 2002 Stanley Cup playoffs. Stanley Cup final, yep. And you just heard what, what Hedekin said. It gave all the momentum to Detroit. They finished that yep. out in five. That gave them a 2-1 lead. They they won game four and game five and won the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, is what you got to guard against if you're Carolina in this series. Yes. I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Going in with the mentality of – this is must win. This 100% is must win. Will we see some changes in the lineup potentially for Carolina? Again, with some legs being tired. Well, we'll hit into that. We'll get into that with Hit It and Quit It. I want you to hit it. 
A real quick note here, though, as we start hitting and quit it. Jim Brown, at age 87, Hall of Fame running back, passes away. Yeah, had a terrific career after his football career. Yeah. Terrific athletic career, but then became an actor, an activist, uh, was still making headlines in, in, in recent years. Uh, for his for his work in in that arena, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe the greatest football player ever. Some people might say that. I, I won't argue against you. That's totally fine. If you want to argue someone else, okay, that's fine too. But he's definitely one of the best ever to do it. You can't dispute that for sure. And I know, for me, as someone who played lacrosse through college and coached for a long time, that name still resonates in the lacrosse world too. One of the best ever to do it to pick up a stick and, uh, and lace it up on the lacrosse field. All right, so let's quit that. Let's hit this. How you doing? Sports betting. Is it, is it here, Brian Murphy, or is it here? When When's this happening? I want to know what the live bet lines were during last night because if we have sports betting here in North Carolina, I want to have more people stuck around because, like, hey, you know what? The game-winning goal is to be scored by this guy. Just go right down to the kiosk or on their phone make that bet. Well, every, every at every intermission on TNT, they would post the lines from DraftKings. They, that's right. They uh, did. Kachuk, I believe, was the was the favorite at minus at plus 900 to score the game winner. Well, so. someone must have cashed out on right, that. Right, 9-to-1 odds on that. Um, House Bill 347 yes. passed the House, has been waiting Senate action. The Senate will start considering that bill next week. Okay. On Tuesday, it is supposed to be in committee. It has to go through three committees before it gets to the Senate floor. Okay. It, it sounds as if some changes are going to be made to the bill, possibly to add horse racing back into it. If any changes are made to that bill, it will have to go back to the House um, for, for concurrence or final passage over there. Um, so a lot of action next week. I expect a lot of action on the sports gambling bill next week and, and maybe even signed into law as soon as – the end of the month don't tease me like this and not pay off okay <laughs> don't tease me like this and not pay off because this has been taking a long time even longer than last night's three two four <laughs> overtime game it has certainly taken longer than that one disclaimer here okay no matter when it gets signed into law we will not have sports gambling until at least january 8th i know so so it, this process although it has taken a long time the if it takes one more week or three more weeks or one or four more weeks it doesn't change the fact that it will not start until January. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah! Well, the ACC is trying to find some money is what they're trying to do, and this is something that you've talked about multiple times. You've covered this a lot on WRL.com, WRLSportsFan.com, about the league, the ACC, wanting to find ways to generate more revenue. And a lot of it is coming down to their television money. And something that Andrea Adelson brought up, to us when we talk with her is that sometimes if you want to go back to the negotiating table in this case with with disney and espn acc well you got to have your top football brands being your top football brands yeah i would imagine so and again i can't really speak to how the big 10 or the sec would think because there's probably various factors at play right are you looking to only add the biggest football brands or do you want to get into a new television market? If you want to get into a new television market for the Big Ten, Florida State and Miami and North Carolina and Clemson, those Southern schools are certainly very appealing, right? But in the SEC, what are you gaining by adding Florida State when you already have Florida, when adding Clemson when you have South Carolina? All right, so again, that's Andrea Adelson talking about the potential realignment again if these conferences want to go after uh, some of these other 
schools that are in the ACC. Again, what what value do they add? But again, it, it, it all stems down to does Florida State, does Miami, these big national brands of what they were. One of the reasons why the ACC brought these schools in was because they were national powers at football. They have fizzled. Now, it seems like Florida State's on the uptick, Brian, but nevertheless, well, these big programs need to be big programs again. Yeah, and Miami's investing a ton of money into football with Mario Cristobal and, and some of the other stuff they've done down there. And Clemson is great, right? Having Clemson in the national picture is great. Clemson is kind of a small regional school. I mean, it's not small in the sense of, of attendance, but yeah. it is not a Fl- Florida State. It is not a Miami. Now, what Dabo's been able to do has pushed it closer and closer to those levels. But yeah, that it has. He's built it into a national right. name right. because of what he's done there. But, you know, Pittsburgh won the league. And that's great for the competitive balance of the league. Yeah. But it's not great for the reason that the SEC is so uh, commanding these dollars. The reason that the Big Ten is commanding these dollars is Ohio State and Michigan are winning that league year after year after year. Yeah. Georgia and Alabama, national brands, are winning that that league year after year after year, plus LSU, plus Auburn. I mean, the SEC is just so flush with football programs. Unfortunately for the ACC, Florida State and Miami and Clemson are kind of it. Those are the the move that maybe Virginia Tech – uh, yeah, Virginia Tech was the national name for a long time. They're consistently a top 25. But do they move the needle? Do, even if – I mean, this year, could Mac Brown and Drake and Drake May move the needle nationally? If if Drake May is a, is a Heisman finalist, yeah. if, if they can go 11-1, 12-0, and put themselves in that picture, would they move the needle on television? That I mean, that's what – unfortunately, that's what all this comes down to. Mm-hmm. When Ohio State and Michigan play, you know that game is going to draw seven, eight, nine million viewers. Yeah. If Clemson and Florida State play for the ACC title, is that game going to draw seven million viewers, six million viewers? Those are the kind of numbers you need to be putting up if you're the ACC. And something as well, even the Big Ten, is that you could throw on Penn State right. against Ohio State or Penn State, Michigan, or even a Wisconsin. Throw them in there because, again, these are much more rash- nationally recognized brands and programs but then you add usc and UCLA into the mix oh i get ohio state versus usc two two prominent national programs yeah that's gonna bring more eyeballs and the sec is doing the same thing you get florida oklahoma you get texas lsu i mean these games are gonna draw gigantic gigantic television ratings and that is the only thing that's keeping cord cutters right or keeping espn in business are live games that generate 10 nine eight million viewers the acc unfortunately doesn't have brands that command that at this point not yet not on a consistent basis but again if florida state and miami well that used to be the game right exactly it used to be the game that's Uh, what the acc was signing up for wide right two or whatever it was uh years ago but yeah it's if Pitt wins the conference or something along those lines but if florida state clemson and miami are also there nationally at the top then it just makes everyone else look a little bit better. So, yeah, that's just – it's it, a lot of it, again, comes down to perception. That's, that, again, that's perception because this is what national audience and national media, when it comes to especially these – these the rights holders, the people that are putting on these broadcasts, perception matters. They want those big rating numbers. They That's what matters to them because ratings equals dollars. So, you got to have that national perception. Uh, Grant, do we have more of that sound cut there from, from Andrea? We'll get actually. We'll, we'll quit that right now. Let's let's hit this. What's going on, brother? Speaking of local here, and just going a quick note out there. Uh, 
NCAA softball championships underway. The regionals are taking place. Duke softball hosting a regional that includes UNC Charlotte and Campbell. What's nice, it's all pretty much all North Carolina, mostly North Carolina-based regional. But also shout-outs, NC Central competing down in Athens in the Georgia Regional. Their first pitch is scheduled for, for actually, I think right about now, actually, is for NC Central. Uh, but also, that's not the only championships taking place involving triangle schools. No, it hasn't gotten a ton of attention. I know mm-hmm. the Canes are happening, and, and women's college tennis, not, not, a, uh, not a ratings magnet. No. But it is possible that tomorrow North Carolina and North Carolina State will be competing for a national championship, an NCAA national championship. Uh, the women's tennis teams at UNC and NC State have made it to the semifinals. Those matches are today. And if they both advance, they would meet for the national championship in women's tennis tomorrow down in Orlando, Florida. That'd be awesome to see. That's that's pretty incredible. Is there a way we can just delay that for a day and just have them come up here just to the triangle to play? Because it's like, wait a second, we're going to play at a school that's you know thirty minutes down the road, and we got to play it down in Orlando. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, UNC is the number one seed overall in the in yeah, the tennis think, tournament. But, but NC State women won the ACC, right? And you and NC State is the number three seed. So okay. so if they both reach the finals, that would not be a shocking upset. Uh, would not be out of the ordinary. And to have two triangles, we saw the outcry, right, the, the the amount of attention Duke and Carolina got when they played in the men's basketball Final Four. I'm not equating it. Yeah. But to play your arch rival for a national championship, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Pretty cool. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. The ceiling is the roof. Well, the ceiling is falling <laughs> down for the L.A. Lakers. They're down 2 nothing in their series against the, the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, another triple-double last night I saw. And I, I I did not watch this game live because I was watching the Canes game and stuff, so a little box score breakdown from me. But Denver up 2-0 in this series, I don't know. Not looking good for L.A. Lakers. I had the two-TV thing going. The Lakers were in control of this game for, were they? for, for much of it. And Jamal Murray, 23 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, kind of overwhelmed did see them. that. I did catch highlights, though, but and, yes. And I think what's happening, you know, particularly playing at Denver is tough, but the Lakers have put a lot of miles on Anthony Davis and LeBron James to get to this point, yeah. which is what you do. You ride your stars. LeBron is 38, and as great as LeBron is, 38-year-olds are still 38-year-olds. 38's 38. And, and eventually you start to run out of gas. He's already he's hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. he's playing injured right now. Um, and and Jokic's just ability to, to constantly get them good shots has really been the difference through two games. Look, it's going back to L.A., possible the Lakers could, could turn this around and, and get it tied going into game five but uh, I think Jokic he's a two-time MVP so hard to call him underrated but now that they're in the national spotlight playing the Lakers in the in the conference finals I think he's finally getting some of the national attention he deserves as maybe the best player in the NBA well I know a lot of people were against this again the whole the, the narrative conversation a lot of people were against him winning a third MVP third straight MVP because well he hasn't done anything in the playoffs like well that's a different conversation um like well okay you voted Joel Embiid who hasn't done anything in the playoffs either but that's again that's a separate that's a that's a narrative conversation as opposed to who actually was the best player in the regular season but I think, yeah, certain people actually might start to recognize, like, oh, yeah, this guy actually is legit very good and does more than just put up great regular season stats. The problem is what he looks like. I mean, let's be quite honest. You know, he he's looks like – Kind of goofy. Yeah, he's, he's you know, not in what you would consider NBA shape. No. You know, when you it, look at him. You look at his body compared to LeBron's body. Right. You're like, oh, yeah, LeBron's an athlete. <laughs> you, I okay. A bouncer? 
I mean, a construction worker. Maybe I don't I, know. I don't. I don't think he can dunk. I mean, he. he I'm sure he can dunk, hey, but he's seven feet. He tall. doesn't dunk. He, he doesn't have to. You know, but he just. He's so good at so many different things on the basketball court. I do think that that narrative and that perception of this guy. Look at this guy. He can't be the best player in the NBA. Game two tonight between the Miami Heat at the Boston Celtics. Celtics trail that series one nothing. Uh, Jason Tatum has to take more than zero shots in the fourth quarter. That's all I'm going to say about that game. Yeah, the Heat, unbelievable. Uh, you look at the Heat talent-wise compared to the Celtics, and they have no business being in the series. They're already up one nothing, and and Jim, you're just waiting for Jimmy Butler to pour in 50 points because that's what he seems to turn into in the playoffs. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Uh, well, I mean, are you a smart guy? Well, I don't know if I am a smart guy or not, but I do know last game, last night's game one between the Canes and the and the Panthers took forever. Took forever last night. Took nearly six hours. I I, I am as a Canes fan, I'm I'm bummed that they lost that. Cause I I there there is going to be there has to be a carryover from one game to the next in the series after after a four overtime game. There has to be some level of carryover. But that was. A memorable, awesome game. And as a fan, even though the Canes lost, it's still something that I won't forget. Because we could sit there and say in a few years and go, remember that seven overtime game? Remember that seven overtime game? Where we well, didn't... four over. You're, I'm, no, sorry, you're I'm sorry, exaggerating. Seven, seven periods. <laughs> seven periods of hockey. But, My apologies. But that's the, what's going to happen, right? People are going to oh, that was, that was seven overtime. Oh, yeah. We I were, remember that, that game. That game ended at 4 a.m. <laughs> it's yeah, going to become like, that, that fish kind of that just gets bigger and exactly. bigger as time it, goes on. Exactly. But, yeah, that's just also going to show you how tired I am. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm spent. I guarantee you a lot of Canes fans out there right now are feeling the exact same way exhausted emotionally exhausted and props to every canes fan that stayed up last night or tried to stay up last night so there there are some fans that i know they said they're just so tired like i just gotta go home gotta go home after the second overtime it was past midnight drove home and got home and still try to watch games on their couch watch the game on their couch um still about 80 percent full was pnc arena last night and that was super cool to see. And for, for Canes fans that did leave, I have zero problem with you leaving last night. It was a late night. I got zero issue with it at all. If you try to stay up last night, zero issue if you <laughs> fell asleep or you went to bed. Because, again, it was a long, long night. But, I mean, shout-outs to, like, seriously, Canes fans out there. And the arena as well. We had a caller earlier, of uh, um, Jim from Durham, that said, you know, the crowd was still like trying to energize the team. You could see in moments where like the the fans were like just they were spent. All their energy was just sapped, but they kept finding a way. Like all right, let's find a moment to really like let's as use a trip Tracy term and, and Rob Brindamore term to dig in here, and they started to get things going. You can actually see when the building started to erupt a little bit. The Canes got a little bit more adrenaline and jump on the ice, but man, those two teams were exhausted. Everyone's just exhausted from last night. And we'll, and we'll get into the strategy of this l- later on in the show, but it really, I think, having played a game like that, now you've got a decision to make about what you do, not only in goal, because I think goal, that's the yeah. big decision, but then what do you do sort of at the end of your roster, at the, at the fringes of your roster? Do you try to get in some fresh legs? This is different than just losing that game in, in the single overtime, yeah. which it looked like Carolina was going to do. You play that long, 
that late into the night, I think it forces Rod Brindamore to have to make some decisions. And, and quite frankly, Paul Maurice on the other side. Well, Rod Brindamore today, they actually did have media availability of the Carolina Hurricanes. Did Rod Brindamore on Freddie Anderson potentially playing in game two or maybe not playing in game two tomorrow night? I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously that's a lot of wear and tear on everybody, but especially the goalies. Um, so, you know, that might be something we'll either talk to him today, later, or maybe even tomorrow. Give him, definitely give him a day to just try to recover. Do you send him to my? Do you send him to Miami, and and make Ronta the starter, Kuchekov the, the backup, and you say, Freddie, just go to Miami, fly down there Saturday morning, and and get in the hotel and just rest because you're playing, you're playing three and four. Just keep them settled. I need you in three and four. They do this with pitchers sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Send them ahead of the team. Look, there's no chance I'm going to play you tomorrow night, Saturday night in game two. So you fly on down to Miami, get down there, get in, checked into the hotel, rest. This isn't the way hockey players typically are. No, so it's Jeff, definitely I not. I don't expect hockey. it to happen. Don't but, see that happening but, at all. But, you know, from a rest standpoint, we, we talk so much about load management at rest and, and all those things now in professional sports. Do you just send them ahead of the team and say, you rest, we'll get you game two, and we need you for three and four? I mean, both those goalies, I mean, obviously the whole team did, but the one thing about goaltending is that you don't get a break. You still stay on the ice. Even the puck's on the other end. You're still you're still standing up. You're still having to focus mentally where the puck is because, again, that thing can come down the ice at any moment. You don't get a break. Guys that get to go to the bench and sit a little bit, like, okay, it's not my shift right now. I can kind of pause here for a little bit. Goalies can't do that. They put a lot more strain uh, or different kind of strain on their bodies than a, than a skater does. So it wouldn't shock me if these guys took a – took one game off because if you get physically taxed again in game two I mean quick turnaround you got to travel go down for game three both these teams at some point I think are going to have to use their backup goalie whether it's Rotto or in this case Alex Lyon for the uh, for the Florida Panthers if, if, if this were game six or even game four and and, and you're tied 2-2 you're tied 3-3 then I say it's a little different you play you play Anderson you got to win you still got to win four games in this series so I think if you're Brindamore you've got to look what gives us the best chance to win four games yeah we don't I mean we need to win game two have but, to. but we really need to win four games and so I think you almost like a, a baseball manager looks at his pitching staff and says what's the best way to manage this staff to get four wins that's what I think you have to do with the goaltender situation <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group all right guys we're gonna make this more interesting gotta chug a beer during intermission before you act but but actually you have to chug it before you go onto the ice there's you know there's 18 minutes of intermission time but no you got to chug it with one minute left you got to chug it before you step on the ice how interesting or how much different overtime could have been these are hockey players are we sure they weren't chugging beers at intermission well i play in a beer <laughs> hockey league and i know guys that have done things like that so that's a little bit different but there are people out there who do compete in the beer miles or beer runs, something that you've actually have done recently. So why we turn to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. We turn to WREL reporter Ali Ingersoll. You're competing in the NC Beer Mile coming up in downtown Cary on Thursday the 25th. I'm curious, 
how much training goes into this in regards to the beer chugging? It's just like, hey, you know what? Three days a week, I'm practicing my beer chugging, much like a lot of people do their strength training. Is, is How does that work? Uh so, yeah, this competition's coming up. It's the state championship, okay. uh, which means you had to have done one before, at least, to kind of qualify for this. So I did one a couple weeks ago. Did okay. Uh, came in under 10 minutes. Uh, Impressive. Which, which includes the mile and drinking the beer. Um, and so the beer chugging part, I – first off, I practice with non-alcoholic beer, which I think is, like, really important. Okay. Uh, so it's still like the same flavor, same consistency, but you're not really getting that whole buzz all the time. Um, I would, I don't practice all that often. The people who I run with, they are practicing like three or four days a week, like 12 Goodness. packs of non-alcoholic beer, just like downing it and then running and sprinting as fast as they can. And I mean, Murph saw them run out there. Like these people were running like sub six minute miles what? with the beer chugging. That's stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just that should not be physically possible. It was insane. It was insane. I, I did the the Bull City beer uh, beer mile a couple weeks ago. It, you know, I cannot run a mile not well at least, and so I did was part of a four man relay team. Okay, and I think we put up seven twenty one or or something along those lines, which respectable middle of the pack. Yeah, single people. That were doing the entire thing themselves, drinking four beers and running the full mile, were beating our time by minutes, minutes. So Allie, she's 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 not uh, telling you the full story here. Is a ter- tremendous runner, okay. runs all the time. The running part, I feel like for you, is the easy part. Yes, definitely. And the so, drinking is go like ahead. The challenging part, and I think it's the it's the you talked about the hockey game. Just imagine like going back into it, having to drink with the beer mile. It's drink, run, drink, run, drink, run, drink, run. So like it is just a full out sprint and chug that's like in there. And it's just loads of fun. Debaucherous by the end of it, because you've had four beers in nine minutes. Uh, It's, it's a good time. Um, actually, I have friends doing a practice who are all in the elite wave for the state one. They're doing a practice run tonight to get ready for a Thursday. How would you like to, to be – I'm in the elite beer mile category. Yeah. I, I'm pretty proud to have made the elite wave. It's under the lights in Cary. They announce your name. It happens to be my birthday that day. It just seems like it's going to be one of the best days of my life. Well, it sounds like it. Well, first of all, happy birthday to you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, and uh, to be in the elite category, I mean, that's – I mean, you have to be elite at two things, not just an elite runner, but elite beer chugger. I mean, that's so props to you. You're elite at two different things. Not many people are elite at one. So congratulations <laughs> to you on that. And it's your birthday. I got my, my, my final question for you is, how'd you get into this? I mean, it's not like something's like, hey, you know, you know I want to chug a beer and then do physical exercise and then keep chugging beer while continuing to do physical <laughs> exercise. That's not something that people normally do. Oh, no, definitely not. Um I think a lot of the run clubs here are kind of centered around uh, like breweries and stuff. Yeah. So conversations always just come up when you're there and it, people are like, well, what if we like do both? And then you kind of start doing both. And I met a lot of friends here who they are these people who are in the elite wave and they're like, yeah, like we just do these for fun a couple times a year as well. And I don't know, there's several of them that are at these breweries. Murph was at the one in Durham There are tons of fun to be at. The camaraderie with the running community is a bunch of fun, and I think the breweries here are fantastic, and so they're just great events. This is no right. There's a Krispy Kreme mile too, right? Yeah. In which you've got to eat what is it a dozen donuts donuts. and run a and run a five k? It's a five miler. Five miler, yeah. 
A little bit different. I'm not done. That's like a whole nother beast. Like, I can handle the beer. No, thank you for these donuts. I will hard pass. I watched people do it, and I was like, that is not my jam. Trust me, Allie, as someone who can down some donuts, <laughs> I might have to do this. You can do the beer chug. I'll do the donuts. Allie Ingersoll, WREL digital journalist, uh, data journalist, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Happy birthday, and best of luck next week in the beer mile. Uh, we'll be cheering on for you. Uh, if you need a DD, let us know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a good one, guys. That's Allie Ingersoll, WREL, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. I, I, I'm curious. Do you actually get to choose your the beer that you use, or is it if a brewery or a tap room is sponsoring it, you have to use their beer? Because I need something light. Yeah. If I'm doing something along those lines, I don't need something with like five and a half, six percent ABV. No, I, I need the give me the Mick Ultras or something like that. At the, at the Bull City one, uh, they just handed you a beer. It was a light beer, but I do think it was over five percent alcohol. I, I only Gosh, ran a quarter no, of a mile. Light. I chugged as fast as I could, ran a quarter of a mile, and about halfway through, uh, things were not happy in my stomach and digestive oh. system. But I finished. I did not throw up. I finished, and, and our team had a great time. That's an accomplishment in and of itself.